Good day to you, and I hope it is a great day you are having. It's me, Dylan, bringing you another sack full of fermented comedy into your earlobes of sanctity. This is the audio-only version of my comedy pondering session called Hardcore Explicity. Now, I would advise you to watch Hardcore Explicity at dylanrankin.com or on my YouTube channel as it was intended. It's got quite a warped visual style to it and some extra bits at the end. But um, I have been contacted by people asking if I could release an audio-only version so you can listen to it on your morning commute into work or while you're busy chopping up a dead body or etc. So, which I totally under understand you know uh, I'm just happy that you're ingesting my comedic vice no matter what method you use much like heroin I suppose but before we jump into hardcore explicity please bear in mind that the audio quality is not quite as crisp as the audio only material I produce and there may be a few quick pauses for some visual things that happen in it but I hope you enjoy all the same next up in the video pondering series that hardcore explicity is a part of is called the schizoid embolism, which I'm editing right now. So uh, keep an eye out on my social media for the comedic release all over your back. And uh, welcome to Hardcore Explicity. Welcome to Hardcore Explicity. Glad you could join me, Dylan Rankin, a.k.a. Jack Fetus, a.k.a. The Patrician's Cat. First things first, let me just plug my digital pinky into the NSA and GCHQ monitored interwebs, add a fictional person to my Twitter feed, and Pinterest Tom Jones to the homepage at dylanrankin.com with the hashtag Sweatsack. Before visiting everyone's favourite website, YouTube. Now, YouTube is all good. It's a wonderful, brilliant platform. But the early days of YouTube were an eye-opener as a teenager. And it's just not like that anymore. Some of the shit you used to see as an inquisitive young sprite is flagged and filtered the fuck out of their sharpish. Back then, visiting YouTube and going down a rabbit hole was kin to a young, rosy-cheeked farm boy simpleton bumbling into the village enlisting office on a whimsy and getting shipped straight out to the Western Front into putrid World War I trench warfare, where the trajectory of flying limbs is a serious concern if not a hazard, and it smells like someone's barbecuing rat flesh and diarrhoea on your neighbour's barbecue. Horror, horror, horror. Well, maybe early YouTube wasn't that shocking, but I stupidly thought I'd go my whole life without seeing a man take a meat cleaver to the cock and balls, leaving the poor sod's package lying there on the chopping block like it's about to get pan-fried and tossed with garlic butter on Saturday Kitchen. It was casual castration on early YouTube, and in my ignorance, I also thought that a glass tumbler was for pouring soft drinks into, not for breaking up your own asshole in front of a camcorder. Again, YouTube is a wonderful educational tool for young men. Basically, early YouTube was all the shit you now see on worldstarhiphop.com and then some. But what's it like visiting YouTube now? It's like a 
posh hospital. It's too sterile, too clean. It's like walking into a bookshop. Intellectuals browsing paperbacks with an ethical coffee. People that will earn triple my salary in ten years. And they're eight years old. Assorted children demanding activated almonds. Why isn't there a wee bit of piss up the walls, YouTube? A bit of grit. A smashed up tin of Del Monte pineapple chunks battered in the corner of their screen. Tramp dogs loitering around like task bar strippers circa 2002. Nowadays, it oozes of enthusiastic brainstorming sessions and cookie ideas by people who iron their socks and just buy things off the cuff. The website's cleaned on a hourly rotational shift pattern like a McDonald's car park or a corporate elevator. Back in the day, when a friend would come over to get pissed and crash out for the night, as soon as they had arrived, taken their jacket off, put their beers in the fridge, like clockwork, they'd say, Oh, have you seen that video of XYZ yet? No matter what the video. Bearing in mind that all we'd watch was medically fascinating smut, uh, horrific injuries and the animal kingdom just displaying how fucking dangerous it can be. 90% of the time, these videos would all follow the same formula. X, Y, Z. So, X. X could be anything. A tiger, a lubed up baseball bat, a severed hand, a dishcloth, anything. Then there's the Y, which usually was a verb. It was stuffed, rammed, snapped, shot, thrown, munched. And then Z. Z is the relevant descriptive term a friend would use to emphasise just how horrific the video's visuals were. For example, like a burst water main, like it was straight out of a Looney Tunes cartoon, like a Bosnian remake of The Crying Game. Come to think of it, I actually recall the description like a big wet cow cunt being used. I get nostalgic when I think about the old YouTube. You didn't know where the next click of the mouse would take you. Now the next click always takes you to fucking cat. I want YouTube to feel like it did before, with that undercurrent of danger. Like I'm witnessing a crime being committed by a celebrity in broad daylight, right in front of me. So I'm in slow motion like, Is anybody seeing this shit? And the celebrity crime would have to be something with a bit of spice as well. Uh, Something a bit racy, like witnessing a smash and grab outside a West End jewellers. And as the thieves make their escape with fists full of diamond rings and gold chains, one of the crew turns round to me off the back of the motorbike, removes their helmet, and it's Charlie's Theron, reeking of Dior. And her tits just popped out. That's what you want to see when you visit YouTube. Bare-breasted celebrity crimes win fail compilations like uh, Spion and quality podcasts like the Joe Rogan Experience, London Real, things like that. To be fair, there is some great content on YouTube now. Comic Book Girl 19 does some great Game of Thrones and History of X-Men content, especially in in comparison to what's on TV. Like, just the same old TV chat shows. Why, oh why have we not given up on that dead formula? They haven't changed since I was a kid. TV pretty much gave up on doing video game reviews. TV chat shows have got to be next. 
I'd much rather watch a game review or find out more about a movie on YouTube rather than on a TV chat show. Who wants some random TV chat show host who probably hasn't watched half the movie, just has all their questions written out for them and then has one of the cast members on their show for a maximum of five minutes and then asks them to juggle for four minutes of it as the crowd double over in laughter as if something's actually being achieved by any of them fucking being there. It's insanity. Where's the imagination? The guest may actually be a really interesting person, but all that will be revealed is that they can fucking tap dance. What I find most annoying is the use of innuendo every time a guest sits on the chat show host's couch. No matter how talented the person is or the profession, it could be a nuclear physicist and they're just going to get a nudge nudge wink wink about their big pair of atoms or their nuclear piston. Look, maybe the relentless innuendo wouldn't be so bad and so annoying if it hadn't been used on most chat shows since the 1980s. That's over 30 years ago now. I just, if the chat show host thinks that's why you're watching the show, then skip all the crap and just be straight about it. Let's ask the questions we think everyone at home wants to know the answers to. Uh, Hugh, first of all, Hugh, are you cut or are you uncut? And how do your balls taste? And for you, Nicole, are you a fan of the finger blastings? Or have you ever taken a shot in the face like Jennifer Lawrence? There's just no imagination on these TV shows. So much entertainment now is is just tired old formulas and safe bets and just repetitive drivel. I mean, your imagination, especially as a teenager, is the best playground around. For example, during my teenage years, Baywatch was on TV. And uh, Pamela Anderson might not know it, but when I was between the ages of 14 to 17, we fucked like rabbits, me and Pammy. Loads of times. And she loved every minute of it. She was high-fiving me afterwards. The works. And as far as my brain's concerned, that all happened because of the old imagination. It's stored in section D6 level 5 of my brain, above Debbie Harry's sweaty punk rock tits. And it'll stay there collecting dust until I'm forced to make a do-or-die grab for it during a self-pleasure panic when the half-second glimpse of Helen Mirren's areola mid-chat show reveals itself to be a tad more of a rudimentary affair than expected and my cock dozes off like a post-brunch hobbit after a cheese board. All I can say is thank God Twitter wasn't around during those teenage years. The last person you'd want to hear from is a 14-year-old me with a semi-erection dropping knowledge on the Wu-Tang Clan. I mean, at 14. At 14, I can barely remember socialising. I can barely remember chasing girls at 14. Probably because at 14, generally, you're too busy masturbating about the girls to be out on the streets chasing the girls that you're masturbating about. It was like working back shift 24-7. But back then, you had the energy of two cocker spaniels strapped to a really fast man running really, really fast. Not now, though. Now, after a few glasses of Shiraz, I go down like a head kick from Mirko Krokop. Punching! I suppose it's better than thinking back to those even earlier years as a boy. 
the Saturday evening prime time TV erections in front of your entire family, even your grandparents if you were lucky. The years when you would get a raging erection for seeing a bit of supple side boob or, wait for it, a beautiful woman's face. Fuck! Remember those days? Remember those days? Getting an erection from seeing a beautiful woman's face on TV. Holy shit. It's amazing to think that a woman's face could inflate you like a balloon at a fairground. David Attenborough should do a one hour documentary on that alone. I suppose it's it's one step forward from a, a well-to-do teenager from the Victorian era where one young lad would get a glimpse of a young filly's milky white angle for a split second and just rip the seam of their trousers from all like blood gushing to their bell end. But not now though. Now school kids are forging each other, crying porn stars sliding around on industrial size sheets of plastic gargling during math class. And what are the poor wee lassies, the poor wee girls supposed to do to try and compete with that? Fanny farts over Skype, fapping on FaceTime. And what about the wee boys? Watching male porn stars pull down their pants and flop out a cock like an amputee's leg with a condom resting on the end like a bit of garnish. It's hardly going to do wonders for your self-esteem, is it? And what about gay kids? We gay kids, because there's a subtle homophobic filter on on, on TV, so there's much less of an introduction to gay relationships and gay sex uh, on TV, apart from a token lesbian kiss on a soap opera, you know, uh, to get dwindling ratings up. There's nothing in comparison to hetero stuff. So a gay kid's introduction to sex could be from one extreme to the other, from really nothing on TV, not much, to the internet, take this fucking fist. I dread to think what all these kids are peer pressured into. If you think back, peer pressure was a much bigger part of your life as a kid. And when I was younger, I'd done plenty of dumb shit because of it. But at least my friends weren't fucking filming me do it on their phones and uploading it. And I was doing straight crazy shit, like, I don't know, sucking 24 strangers' cocks in Magaluf for the prize of one alcoholic beverage, which happened semi-recently. And if you've not heard about this, just Google British Girl Magaluf. That's it. That's all you need to Google. I think on that specific occasion, it went over and above the -the run-of-the-mill slutty behaviour by young guys and girls. It was as if she was knocked back from a holiday at Hogwarts and she had to earn her crust behind the wand shop on Diagon Alley on her fucking knees. I mean, the situation became more of an equation. God-fearing tart plus thirsty perverts plus pack mentality times sunstroke erections divided by an already partially pissed-stained thong equals an enthusiastic thirst-quenching blowback. And as it turns out, the kicker is that our parents were Bible bashers. They were God-botherers. So, if they truly believe that God is in control of everything on earth and God working in his mysterious ways, wanted random strangers, just random, close-by teenagers, to sheathe their penis into their mouth, their, their uh, daughter's mouth 24 times in a room full of people while she's knowingly being filmed. All for about half the price of our taxi home that evening. 
Hmm. I'm just surprised no one shouted World Star. World Star! Isn't it funny that these things are happening in the real world of 2000, you know, 2015-2016, when the internet touches the farthest reaches of the globe, and yet UK politicians are putting their time, effort, and taxpayers' money into restricting certain sex acts from taking place in pornographic movies that the UK are producing. It's like they don't understand how the internet works. Are these politicians sitting at home playing with an antique train set, handing foil-wrapped chocolates to their, to their grandkids and expecting them to jump for joy like Charlie Bucket? Oh, thank you, Poppy. I gee whiz, a whole chocolate all to myself. I shall break it into pieces so it shall last all month. Oh, I mustn't cry, Poppy, I mustn't cry. It's fucking insanity. These people must be in a time warp. Because these sex acts that they're banning from UK porn aren't the sort of violent or rapey type of sex acts which would expect politicians to attack and, and go for. These politicians are seriously losing sleep because someone is getting their face sat on in a pornographic movie. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Face sitting. Do you want to hear another one? Spanking. Illegal. It's like straight out of a Benny Hill sketch. And if you don't know who Benny Hill is, that's how far back I'm talking about. Here's another example. Female ejaculation. Illegal. God forbid a woman gets to spray her load. A man, now a, a man's fine and dandy. It's probably been put down in scripture to cover all bases at some point. Thou shalt shoot your seed into the weaker sex's eyeballs, I said unto thee. I don't see male ejaculation being attacked in the same way. And there seems to be a big problem with a, a young lady just filling up a fruit and ice-laden pins jug from across the screen using her genitalia. Firing ping-pong balls out of it, yep, fine. Sticking a padlock through it, yep, cool. But just don't get carried away with the moisture or we'll put you behind bars and we'll give you a fucking criminal record. There seems to be a real a real lack of common sense and a real nasty selfishness going on. A real undercurrent of rage against people doing things that they don't do themselves or don't like and actively trying to make these acts illegal. It's just pathetic. Whatever happened to live and let live? Couldn't the time and money be spent on something to tackle important things like homelessness or corporate tax evasion or something like that. You know, important stuff. If you don't like pornography, don't watch it, don't finance it. If you don't like music, don't fucking listen to it. If you don't like marijuana, don't stick it in your eyeballs, smoke it, shove it up your ass. don't do any of it. And if you don't like twerking, don't fucking twerk. Simple. Simple. But there seems to be an increase in people wanting these things to become illegal. And they, they may have an interest in something like Caravans, which I have no interest in, but I have been stuck behind caravans on long journeys, you know, that's fine. But do they want me to petition, write letters and pressure members of parliament to take caravans off the road and fucking ban them? An offence to own one? Let's not forget that a car can be a serious weapon. In the wrong hands, you can fucking kill someone. So add on to that a few extra thousand, you know, kilos and the problems that are associated with that. 
you know, whether it's snaking, a tyre blows, you're not used to driving it like that. Now, that could kill someone. There's, there's thousands of accidents a year involving caravans. Now, they don't want me to fucking go and, and attack them, but banning caravans would save more lives than face-sitting in porn. That's a fact. Miles Jackman, who's a uh, lawyer specialising in sexual liberties and obscenity law, said it best. He said, The social values and sexual morality among the general public were about 15 years ahead of those making the laws. But I'd go a step further and say they're about 30 years behind. And not just on the pornography issue, on most issues. I tend to think that people that campaigned for the ban on the sexual stuff must have just had bad personal experiences with the sexual acts in question. Maybe a wee bit of femme jack in the eye, you know, before a family photo. Uh, A bit of a a ruptured rectum from an overzealous gloved spanking. Perhaps near suffocation from a face-sitting session with Big Dina from their local hookery. Isn't it hypocritical, though, that... As the censorship is being passed, the new best-selling book since records began is Fifty Shades of Grey, 5.3 million in the UK. The trilogy, 40 million globally. Now, I've not read Fifty Shades of Grey myself, but word on the street is, it's about period fucking. So, you know, if that's your thing, the old period fucking, pick up a copy from your local bookshop. It'll be on a shelf a few paces away from the new Paddington Bear book. Enjoy!